my wife, Jessamy, never thought in a million years that somebody just getting out of prison would end up being her husband one day. And I never thought, because I didn't have a job, that I would have $2,000 to buy her a ring and propose to her in front of a 1,000 women after a play in which we were both in. Today, we're going to share our love story by a crackling fire and tell you how awesome God is. And then for the rest of the love month, February, we're going to share other stories of couples who, where one or both of them have been incarcerated and how God has just taken their lives and, and, and turning them into kingdom power couples. It's going to be a great month. It's going to be a great episode. Stay tuned. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh- it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down. No. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast. I am your host. Jaden Gum, and it's always brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. If you want to know more about Forgiven Felons and what all we do, go to the website. Uh, check us out at forgivenfelons.org, especially if you have a, a loved one in prison who needs a par- uh, place to parole, then go there, fill out the application, send it to them, and have them send it back. So today is a very special episode. Today's a very special episode. I'm sure you can hear some rumbling in the background. Uh, this episode is our Valentine's Day episode. Valentine's Day is in two days on Sunday, but today's Friday, the 12th, and we are, we are. you can hear the peanut gallery laughing. They got the giggles, the Valentine's Day giggles. So, uh, so anyway, so I am here today. All right, y'all, listen, listen. We got to be quiet, okay? So I'm here with all of my Valentines. I'm here with my number one Valentine. Say hi. Hello. This is my beautiful wife, Jessamie. My number two Valentine, who came into the world first, is Jessalyn. Jessalyn, say hi. Hi. And my number three Valentine, Gemma Grace. Hi. Do I need to separate you two? No. Okay. All right. Just... All right. No more touching. Bye. All right. Gemma, say hi. Hi. All right. So, um, so girls, today, today you have a Valentine's Day party at your school. What does that mean to y'all? What does Valentine's Day mean to y'all? Uh, chocolate roses. Chocolate roses. Gemma, what does it mean to you? Scoot up to the mic. What does it mean uh, to you? Chocolate. Chocolate. Do you, do you get lots of chocolate from your friends at class? Mm-hmm. Your Valentine's Day party? Yes. Yeah? We finished our Valentine's that we were going to give to our friends. On. And what, what kind of Valentine's do you give to your friends? Um, we, I have chocolate. seven girls. <laughs> I, have, I have seven girls in my class and mm. eight boys in my class. And... um. So I have to make 16, no, 15 
um, Valentine's, and they were with tattoo friendship bracelets oh, okay. and a cosmic game for, for the, the boys. boys. Okay, well, cool. All right. Do you have a Valentine yet? No. Who's your Valentine? Daddy? Daddy can't be your Valentine? Well, you're number three. I'm number three Valentine? <laughs> Who's number one? Mommy's your number one Valentine? I'm and then Gemma? Two. And then me? Okay, all right. Gemma, do you have a Valentine? No Valentine's? I thought your Valentine was Hudson. Mommy's my Valentine. What about Hudson and Weston? Ooh, do you have a Valentine named Hudson and Weston? <laughs> oh my gosh. Your face is turning red. Somebody's got a Valentine. Somebody's got a Valentine. All right. So, girls, the reason y'all are here is because one day mommy and daddy became Valentines. Yeah. And we loved each other so much that we got married. Everyone knows that. And then we had y'all. So uh, today well, on the podcast, we're, me and mommy are going to share our story, our Valentine's story, and our love story, boring. and how we got to this, how we got, to, how we got to the part boring. where we had y'all. Well, do not take this part out. Making you guys was not boring. boring. I promise. Boring. All right. So, um, so y'all say goodbye to everybody. Bye. Say we'll see you maybe on another episode. Bye on another episode. (laughs) All right. Say happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, and guess what? Tomorrow is mommy's birthday. So say happy birthday to to you. Happy Happy birthday birthday to mommy. Happy birthday, dear mommy. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, mommy. Thank you, girl. For everybody who doesn't know. Probably six months. For everybody who doesn't know, (laughs) Jessamy's birthday is on February 13th, so we always get to celebrate her birthday and Valentine's Day. All right, girls, we'll see y'all later. Bye-bye. Okay. Are they gone? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) They... We're so excited about doing this, and they were acting so crazy. If we had video for y'all, you, you, you would have seen them. You would have seen us trying to talk and use our hands to signal them to separate and to <laughs> calm down and everything. Uh, they love being on the microphone, but they love um, they love messing with each other too, and they they're just a joy. They're just a joy, right? <laughs> so today's episode, baby. We haven't done an episode. We've done 38 episodes. And you've only been on the one with the Christmas episode. But we really I, weren't. That's not true. Were you on another one? Which one were you yes, on? Yes, I was on the one, the thankfulness one. The thankfulness? Oh, oh, that's what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah, you were on thankful, the Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, but not one time have we shared our story. No. So, because it's Valentine's. Uh, and I think we're going to have, we're going to try to have, last week was me by myself, right? Was last week by myself? Yeah. But I think the rest of this month, we're going to have couples and we're going to have just stories of couples uh, that either one or both of them have been incarcerated Hmm. and how God's using them. Um, So it's going to be neat. 
Yes. It's going to be neat. So we're excited and we're glad you're listening. And so today we're just going to tell y'all our love story. But first, before we begin, Jessamy, just tell everyone, there's probably a lot of listeners that don't know about you and your story. And, and I've shared on solo episodes about my upbringing and my childhood and different things. So just tell us a little bit about what life was like growing up in the Johnson household. Well, the Johnson household was always very full. There were six kids and mom and dad. So we were each other's best friends and best enemies. <laughs> uh, two girls and four boys. And there's a 20-year span from the oldest to the youngest. So wow. we're quite spread out. And my mom is a rock star. My dad is amazing. Um, my mom and dad firmly believed in either giving us a homeschool education or sending us to a private school. So I did um, that back and forth. I did a lot of um, homeschool, and then I would go to private school and then uh, come back to homeschool for a time. As you can imagine, with six kids, uh, private school would be very expensive. Yeah. So it was kind of just a, what can we afford this year and who wants to go? Because some of my siblings preferred homeschooling over going to school every day they just wanted to get their work done and get it over with and do something else so I loved going to school I liked to be around my friends I liked to be involved in sports so my parents did the best they could to you know keep me in school and keep me involved in all the things that I wanted to be involved in so that was cool and I got to be involved uh, in one of your sports year part of my story there was a couple years where I came back to the Lord from 95 to 97 uh, those were your high school years, but there was another time back, I think in 92, when I was kind of really off and on. I wasn't really serving the Lord all that great, but I was asked by Coach Whitmire, Whitmire, Whitmore, Moore. Whitmore, to um, one day to fill in for his eighth grade girls basketball team for practice because he knew I was up there with my mom every 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 school morning, and I filled in one day. And I was doing all kinds of basketball drills and everything. And next thing I know, he's asking me to help coach. And so uh, Jessamy just happened to be on that team that year. And so I got to coach her in eighth grade girls basketball. And it was a joy. It was a joy. Uh, she was a beast on the court. So <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Not quite a beast. <laughs> so uh, the next time I saw you in school, I was, um, it was the two years that I came back and I was coaching high, a little bit of junior high football and high school football. And that's when you were, I think, a junior and senior. Um, and then summer of 1997 is when I just rejected God, Christianity, and everything. And I, I left and uh, left the church, left everything, and, and didn't look back. And so didn't see you anymore after that hmm. and because you weren't you know going to clubs and bars so no <laughs> so um the next time i see you um was right when i got out of prison the second day out of prison so six months well before we go there what, what did you do what was life after high school like for did you go to college what did you do 
Well, I did the complete opposite of you. I pressed in deeper to my faith and my relationship with the Lord, and I did three years of a discipleship training school at the church, and it was it's called Master's Commission, so it was really... Um, Very good program. Kind of an intense, in-depth um, biblical studies as well as hands-on training. So I did that for three years, and then um, in August of 2000, I went to the mission field to Thailand. And you were there for how long? Three years. Three years. You were a missionary in Thailand Mm -hmm. for three years. And what are some of the things that you had to do as a missionary in Thailand? Um, I did a lot of things. A lot of people don't know that you're a criminal because you never got caught. What are some What are some crimes you committed? That is one one tiny thing I did in (laughs) the three years that I was on the mission field. (laughs) Tell us about that crime. Um, I took some money into a place that was. I took more money than I was supposed to into a place that was uh, not. It's not open to the gospel. Right. So. So you smuggled illegally smuggled um, amounts of money that you weren't supposed to into a place that you weren't supposed to. Okay. All right. So, so you're not for the translation of the Bible. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, that's good. I guess that makes it okay. Huh? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, all right. So you come home and then six months before I get out of prison, I'm praying a prayer and I'm about to commit my life to the Lord. By the way, if you hear crackling in the background, you'll see on the show page, if you look at the picture, we got a fire going because it's Valentine's Day episode. It's romantic. We got a fire going. And so if you hear crackling in the background, that's what that is. So just sit back and enjoy the crackle of the fire as we share our love story. So six months, I'm, a, uh, I'm still in prison. Six months before I get out, I'm about to kneel and pray and say, Lord, I commit my life to you as a single man in ministry. I've been studying Paul and I really liked the way he got so much accomplished for the kingdom. And he even had a verse that said one time, if you know, if you're, I wish you would all be like me, meaning single, but if you want to marry, that's good too. And so I just thought that with all the things that God deposited in my heart, it was going to be easier for me to accomplish all those as a single person. So I was about to pray this prayer, Lord, I commit myself to you as a single man in ministry. And, and, and then I thought, you know, I should add stuff like no woman deserves all the baggage I bring to a relationship anyway. Uh, and, um, and, and I knew I could easily get distracted by a woman or a relationship and then not even pursue the things that God wanted me to pursue. But I was about to pray that prayer and he said, no time out. And he said, I have someone set aside. He used those words set aside for you. And she's not going to distract you from building your ministry. She's going to actually help you build the ministry. And then, and then he said, she's not going to see your past as baggage, but she's going to see it as leverage to advance the kingdom of God through your testimony. And so that was enough for me not to pray that prayer that I was going to pray. But from that point on, I began praying for you, even though I didn't know it was you. And I began praying for your family because I knew, I just knew whatever family took me in, 
there was probably going to be some eyebrows raised. There's probably going to be some resistance pushback. And I just knew. And so I began praying for everyone else. So your whole family was covered in prayer for six months by me. You didn't even know it. I didn't even know who I was praying for, but I was praying for y'all six months before I even got out. So then on on, uh, on uh, April 18th, 2006, I get out. And there's a bunch of people at CC's Pizza from my church, Pastor and, and Becky included, a bunch of people at CC's Pizza welcomed me home. And I think somebody actually invited you, just me, right? How do, how do you even know that? You were in prison. <laughs> I think somebody mentioned and, and, and you said, and you turned it down. So you didn't want to see me that night, but it was destiny for us to see each other because the next night, uh, pastor asked me to, to share my story in his Bible study. And I did. And see, that was important because, because I promised God that what I was doing in prison, which was preaching, sharing the word, mentoring people, I was going to continue to do outside. And so for me to say yes to pastor put me in a position to also be, have the Lord revealed to me this very special thing he revealed. So I'm preaching. You said, no, you didn't want to come to CC's. And then who wants to go to CC's? <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, uh, had it been some nice Thai restaurant, you probably would have been there. Maybe. Um, so the next night, uh, was it Christy? Or, uh, how did you find out I was downstairs sharing my testimony and then you just happened to walk in? Um, I don't remember who it was that said that you were downstairs. I mean, I think I knew that because knew I was it. Tim's assistant. And yeah. So at 9.03, details matter, 9.03, you walked into that dining room door and I was talking to somebody. I don't even remember who it was now. I was talking to somebody and all of a sudden you walked in and I saw you out of my peripheral and then I caught you full glance and the Holy Spirit said, there she is. And he brought back to memory the conversation he and I had in prison when I was about to pray that prayer. And so whenever he said, there she is, I knew you were the one that I'm supposed to marry. And I didn't know how I was going to tell you. But right then, I was just like, and it was neat because for the first time in my life, Jessamy, and I had made a list of, of things that I wanted in a future wife, even though I didn't feel like, you know, it, it didn't really matter, but I still had some some things that I wanted wanted to see, you know. And um, and all of a sudden, you walk into that room, and, and the Holy Spirit said, there she is. All of a sudden, the Spirit inside of me got so excited about the spirit inside of you. I had not been around you. I did not know where you had been, what you had done. I didn't know that you'd been a missionary in Thailand. I didn't know anything, you know? And, but for some reason, the spirit inside of me was excited about the spirit inside of you. And that has never happened to me in my life before that night. And, and it was crazy because of, for the first time, I was attracted to a woman for a spiritual reason first than a physical reason. Now, full disclosure, 30 seconds later, I acknowledge how fine you are. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this lady, this woman is all grown up now. And I'm looking at her and this is going to be my wife and she's beautiful. And you came and talked to me. And I thought that was the, the neatest thing. What... 
what did you think when you first came out of prison? I mean, I I know what I thought about you and, and my thoughts, but I know, you know, we see things totally different. So uh, did you have anything at all? What did I think about seeing you for the first time yeah. after being in prison? Yeah. Um. I mean, did you think I was cute? A little. A little? Okay. <laughs> yes, I thought you were very handsome. Okay. Um, I don't know. I guess I had been hearing so much about you maybe for the last couple of weeks before that uh, because people in the church had been writing you, and so they were telling me, Jadan's getting out of prison. And I was like, Jadan's been in prison? Like, oh, okay. I didn't realize that, you know. Um, but then they kept talking about it. And so I did know about the CC's night, but I didn't. Other than the fact that you had coached me, you know, for a year or so, I didn't feel like it was necessary for me right. to be there. But had I known how important you would be in my life, I would have been there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, people just kept saying how amazing you were, even in that 24-hour window that they had talked with you or had seen you since you'd gotten out of prison. They were like, you've got to come see Jay Dan. I don't know why everybody kept saying that, but clearly everybody knew something that I didn't know, <laughs> that we would be together one Absolutely. day. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it was just strange because it had, I mean, no one had ever said, you've got to go see this random person that just got out of prison. Right. So that was, you know, strange and different. And at that point, there was no like attraction to the point of like, I want to start dating this guy. I think, right. And I think people were just so excited because there had been decades of you not being steady and on the right path. And so people saw a genuine difference in you through your letters that you had written to them, whatever correspondence you'd had, and then just seeing you for the first time after, you know, three or four years or even maybe longer that they hadn't seen you. So I think that people were just excited because of your family's involvement at the yeah. church and just knowing that you had, had never really been on, this on fire for the Lord. So, and then your story, your testimony was so amazing that people were just like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Look what God's done. And so then they were just like, Jesse, you've got to go see him. So you, um, I think I probably started flirting with you first. Uh, I can't really tell when there was like flirting going on with you because you're, me and you are so opposite in everything we do. Uh, I'm, I'm more of an extrovert. You're, you're a little more introverted. Um, but I remember asking you for your phone number through email mm-hmm. and and you you started emailing me back and at the bottom of the email all of a sudden there was a number nine and I thought oh that's weird she just accidentally typed a letter number nine at the bottom of an email so then I just emailed her back you know because she was always at work so I didn't really want to call her and I wasn't really good at texting yet well, you didn't have my phone number. I didn't have your phone number, so I couldn't text you anyway. And so I just emailed her back. And then the next email came with a seven at the bottom. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then I just noticed that after the third email, and then there was a two, and I'm like, oh, 
That's weird. It, it almost seems like the area code for a phone number because mine's 972. I'm like, oh, she's given me her phone number one digit at a time. <laughs> so when I realized this, I all of a sudden started coming up with just dumb emails to send her and trying to get the trying to get the numbers rolling a little faster. And uh, eventually I got I got your number and I don't know I don't know when there might have been some mutual attraction. Um, and for me, it was the, the attraction was always there. But for me, it was more about, okay, God, God basically already let me know. And I can't screw this up. I got to figure out a way to make it happen because even though God can show us the way, we can still screw it up. And immediately, I, I really, even though God had already assured me that you were going to be the one I married, I immediately became uh, had, ha- having thoughts of inadequacy, undeserving of you. And I remember going up to the altar one night to pray with Pastor Tim, who's been a lifelong mentor and friend. He did our he did our wedding, and I remember him saying to me, "This was very early on." He says, "Hey, the girl you're the girl you're flirting with. I'm not saying don't date her. I'm just saying be real careful. She means a lot to a lot of people." And I appreciated him saying that. That meant that meant he cared deeply for you, and. But right then is when I told him, I said, you know, I just don't think I deserve her anyway. And she sure doesn't deserve someone like me. And he, he didn't say anything else to me right then. But but then we, we, we separated. But he came back to me about 10 minutes later. And he said, I have a word. I have a word for God for, from God for you. And he said, God wants you to know that he sees you as a pure virgin, a spiritual virgin. He doesn't see you as your promiscuous past. And he wants you to know that you deserve Jessamy. And, and because of his grace and mercy and love, Jessamy deserves you. And if it wasn't for that, I don't know that you and I would ever got married. Because <laughs> I, I think the thoughts of inadequacy and the thoughts of man, what did Jessamy do to make God so mad that he gave her me? <laughs> I'm like, what did, what did you do to him? So... Anyway, the, the story progresses. We flirt with each other, and one night, the Dallas Mavericks are playing the Spurs, and we all go get together after on a Wednesday night, and we're all trying to figure out who's going to ride what car, and then all of a sudden, there's only us two left, and there's no room in any cars left, so you have to take your car, and you have to take me with you. So we're following Tim and Michelle and everybody else, and... That's when the Holy Spirit said, tell her everything. <laughs> you remember that night? Yeah. And I laid it all out on you. I just told you everything about the whole conversation. that And that nothing was supposed to happen for two years. But you're the one I'm supposed to marry and all this stuff. And I remember you didn't say a word on the way there. Mainly because I was talking. But then we watched the game and we come back. And then that's when I was like, so... What do you have to say? <laughs> and do you remember anything that you said that night? I remember I told you that it wouldn't be easy, but if you won my heart, you would have it forever. That's exactly what you said. Although and then, I do think it was pretty easy. <laughs> and then you also said, you, you got to talk to dad. You got to talk to my dad first. <laughs> and of course, I already knew that. I was already prepared in my heart. Did you ever dream in all your hopes and dreams of ever thinking about a future husband? That God had a felon in mind for you? 
No. What did you dream about as a husband? What, like, what were you? Did you ever? Did you have a list? Did you like, you know, have hopes and dreams of like, man, when I get married, I want my husband to be this, and I want my husband to be, to be that. No, I really didn't. I mean, I'm, as you know, I'm not much of a dreamer. That's something that um, God is starting in me, even yeah. at this um, late stage in my life. Growing up, I wasn't, I didn't really have very many expectations around that, except that I was pretty picky. I mean, I hadn't really dated anyone. I hadn't dated anyone. Um, I had kept myself very pure and... You were the first person that I ever thought that I could fully give myself to. And I felt that because I trusted your relationship with the Lord. And I knew that um, you would always be submissive to Him and to the Holy Spirit. And that made me able to say I could submit myself to you forever. And so... Did you ever feel like you were kind of robbed, you know, like you saved yourself all your life, pure. No. And then you get somebody like me who didn't. And I mean, you never had thoughts like that. No, I didn't. I mean, again, I, I had, I didn't have a list. And, um, so I think maybe that was, maybe that was God, you know, there's a lot of people that look at me and they can never forget my past. Right. How are you able to look at me even back then and even now and just know that I'm not identified by my past? Well, I think that's why God gave me such a horrible memory. (laughs) (laughs) I know you like to make fun of my memory, but you need to praise God for my memory. Oh, yeah. That I'm able to forget so easily. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Um, But really, I wasn't, because there's, because you're eight years older than me, um, I wasn't, you know, up to par on all of your activities or, you know, I wasn't like keeping tabs on what's J. Dan doing right right now. Or I wasn't even in that circle of like, oh, J. Dan's partying again. That wasn't, that wasn't in my. And so when I did talk to your dad, it's funny because he said to me, no, <laughs> which I think every dad should say at first, if a guy just gets out of prison, doesn't have a car, living with his mom and dad, no job, and wants to date the daughter, every dad should say no at first. Mm. But what's interesting about what your dad said, which at that time he didn't even know, uh, was he said the same thing that the Holy Spirit said to me. It was, you know, your dad said, come talk to me in two years. You know, and so I was already prepared for that answer, you know, and um, but he did give me the permission to come hang out with you guys Mm -hmm. in a group setting. Mm -hmm. And I did ask him for permission for one date that summer. And we went to the Dream Cafe and I told him the reason I wanted to go on that date was because I wanted to tell you everything I'd ever done. And I think he was okay with me going on that date with you because he thought maybe, okay, my daughter's smart. As soon as she hears all this, she's going to run away from him. <laughs> and, um, and, and you know, that, and that, that date was hard for me because, but I'm glad I did it because it, it, it allowed me to be fully 100% transparent and open and vulnerable and say, this is who I used to be. It's not who I am now, mm-hmm. but I need you to know the man I used to be so you can even more so appreciate the man that I am now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and we even talked about 
you know, my son, Chase. Mm -hmm. And I told you that I haven't seen his mom. I haven't seen him. But one day it's going to all come out. And and are are you okay with that? You know, and, you know, and I remember we we both kind of teared up a little bit and cried. You know, it can't be easy for for someone like you to hear everything someone like me has done and go, I mean, you almost got to feel like, uh, what was it? Hosea, you know, when God told Hosea to go marry the prostitute, you know, kind of feels like that in reverse, you know, even though I was already reformed. But um, what, what, what do you think some of the challenges were dating someone like me, not as the godly man that you could see, but as someone who had a past and has been to prison, what were some of the personal challenges? Well, definitely the job situation was personally challenging, not just for me, but for my family, because of of course my dad and my family wanted to see that stability. Um, So that was challenging because even how many years ago was that? 10, 11, 12 years ago. How many years was that? We're going to be married 13 years in April. Okay. So that was 15 years ago. (laughs) Almost 15 years ago. I'll be out 15 years ago. Okay, perfect. Um, See, my memory. Even 15 years ago, how difficult was it even to just get a simple job with a background um, was very difficult. Uh, Things have changed a lot, I think, probably in 15 years. But, you know, that was hard. We live in in an area, I guess, that's pretty conservative, maybe. I guess. So that was was pretty hard to um, overcome that and then not being you not being able to drive too yeah i guess could have been presented as pretty challenging i had to drive everywhere which yep. was not maybe not my ideal situation i would have <laughs> liked for someone to Absolutely. drive me around but we made it work right yeah yeah and and even like uh if i remember correctly when we got engaged in a couple of months before we were getting married i remember you saying you you pointed out the apartment complex that you mm-hmm. wanted to live at mm-hmm. and they were brand new being built and they said bella Rousseau luxury apartments and you said i want to live here and i luxury said luxury really stuck out to yeah me. luxury and uh and i said i'll try and uh and i don't know if you ever you know even knew the fact that i said i'll try or, or what i meant by i'll try we got turned down at first and then i had to i had to like listen to the holy spirit and really fight for mm. fight for our um our opportunity to live there and we eventually got to live there and they turned out not to be so luxurious no, the luxury quickly <laughs> slipped away we should have spray painted i mean it was good there was a swimming pool right off our balcony that was kind of nice but yeah yeah yep uh the key fobs never worked hardly for the business center in the weight room or the <laughs> gate uh i'll never forget i think it was like our first or second saturday in the apartment as a married couple and I'm kind of sleeping in, and you're in the kitchen, and all of a sudden I hear a little, ah, like you kind of screamed. And I get up, and I guess they'd forgot to put weather stripping at the bottom of the door. And so the, the lawnmower guys were blowing the breezeway, and they blew dirt into our apartment. Yes. I think it scared me because I was like, what is it? Maybe a, I thought it was maybe a rodent yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like running across the floor, this big pile of dirt that just blew into. And then we could hear anytime anybody, we were on the first floor, anytime anybody flushed or was doing their washer and dryer, we could hear them on the third, we could hear the pipes on the third floor. So um, clearly we were not made for apartment life. Yes, especially luxury apartment living. But, but then, you know, Shortly after that, we went to a trip on a trip with our friends to, to a Pittsburgh Cowboy game, and 
told them how bad we were living there. And they said, well, let's find you a house. And that was the house that we're living in right yes, now. This house, this right beautiful here. house that we just got through remodeling at least uh, part of it, half of it. And, um, it's amazing. And so, so our marriage has just been, um, marital bliss the whole time, right? We haven't had any issues. Our marriage. Yes. Has been marital bliss. <laughs> I think our first Everything year has gone our way. Yeah. I think our first year was probably our most challenging. I think, uh, I think, I think, you know, cause I'd, I'd never been married. Neither had you. And we were so used to having our own space and our own rooms and our own bathrooms and everything. And yeah. And now all of a sudden we're sharing a bedroom, a living room, a kitchen and a bathroom. Mm-hmm. And I went from having a bar of soap in my bathroom, in my bathtub to having different levels of, of loofahs and conditioners and moisturizers and everything. And that was, that was crazy. That was mm-hmm. So there were some times where your dad expressed some feelings that he did not want us to get married. Mm-hmm. How, what, what was going on in your mind and heart during those times? While we were dating, my dad was traveling a lot because of work and he was not home very much. So he didn't really get to interact with you very much and uh, didn't see necessarily how involved you were in church. And um, it was just a, it was a hard season. Um, for our family too, you know, just having dad gone so much. And, but I, I knew that he thought maybe our relationship was moving a lot faster than he wanted it to for sure. Um, but I knew what I had with you and I knew that I felt the peace of God about our relationship because clearly God had ordained it. But, um, that was really a hard season for me because I wanted so desperately to please my dad because I'm a people pleaser and um, I like to keep harmony and um, everybody happy with each other. (laughs) So that was really hard because the two most important men in my life at that time were not in agreement either about what was going on. So that was, that was pretty hard. I think one of the things for me was to, how do I convince your dad of two things? Number one, that, that the true change had taken place in my heart and again, it was hard because he's never there. So he, he, all he could do is, you know, come in once a month and hang out for a little bit. But he, but that didn't really tell the whole story of how I'm living now. Mm-hmm. And that was hard to convince him of that. Um, and the other, the other thing was, how do I convince him that my love for you is deep and that I'm going to take care of you, you know, and that, that I truly love you in a way that is not just superficial or surface. It, it, it's, it's a godly, it's a godly love, you know, and, and I don't know that I ever really did convince him of that until maybe after we got married yesterday, I, <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I think, um, I think with the help of the Holy spirit and maybe pastor Becky and some other people, maybe y'all, the, your mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. kind of just all just working together to say, Hey, look, you know, we believe this is who Jaden is now. Mm-hmm. We believe that this is right for for Jessamy, mm-hmm. and um, and so you know, it, it was hard because at one point, I felt like maybe if I had asked you to marry me, you might say yes, even though your dad might not have approved, mm-hmm. and that was hard for me to swallow because I know how important it was for you to have your dad's approval. Mm-hmm. 
So whenever I kind of scheduled, I knew he was coming into town and we had that, that play broken beauty coming up and everybody was like, Oh, this is, this, this is when you're going to ask her to marry you. This is when you're going to ask her to marry you. Mm -hmm. And you know, you were playing, um, Ruth and I was playing Boaz Mm -hmm. and obviously in that story, they get married. So it's a big play and we're, we're, we're uh, performing in front of how many women were there? A thousand. Yes. A lot. A lot. (laughs) And so pastor Becky had asked me to share my story after the play. Well, what a lot of people didn't know was like two months before the play was even going to happen, uh, people were asking me if I was going to, you know, when, when are you going to ask Jer- Jess me to marry you? And then some people start saying, why don't we do it after the play? And I'm like, well, first of all, I still don't have a job. <laughs> and and not having a job means I can't buy it. My dad had just died and, and all this stuff. And so life was just crazy for me. Mm. So asking you to marry me during that season was just the last thing on my mind because I wanted to have a ring and there and I had no money to buy a ring. And so I remember Cindy Jacobs came up to me one Sunday morning and said, when are you going to ask Jessamy to marry you? And I said, uh, and I think it was like in the summer, like July or August. And I said, well, I don't know. Uh, some people are suggesting that we should do it uh, in the play coming up. And so she's like, well, what's stopping you? I said, well, money to buy a ring. She said, well, how much do you need? And I said, I don't know. I've never bought a ring before, but I would assume $2,000 would be pretty good. She goes, well, let's pray right now. And Cindy Jacobs prayed with me on a Sunday morning that the money would come in to buy you a ring so I could propose in that play. And literally weeks after that, Tim asks me, hey, I need you to help build the set for Broken Beauty. And I'm like, oh, okay, no problem. And so I'm just, you know, I'm doing all kinds of volunteer stuff because I don't have a job. I do it. And then all of a sudden he, he says, hey, come to the office. I got something for you. And he gives me a check and it's $1,500. I'm like, what's this for? He goes, oh, for help us build the set. I said, no, that was volunteer. He goes, no, we, we always pay somebody to help us build the set. I'm like, oh, okay. So I put that money aside. A week later, he says, hey, um, we're going to do our first Iron Man, John Michael, Pastor John Michael, who wasn't working at Trinity at that time, was working in Waco. He says, I want, I'm going to send you to Waco. I'll pay for your gas. I'm going to send you to Waco, and you're going to help John Michael write a script for Iron Man. I said, okay, no problem. So I go down there, come back. A week later, he comes to me and hands me an envelope, and it has a check in it for $500. So within a two- to three-week period, I get $2,000. So I felt like okay, man, now I have to do this. So everybody's like planning, everybody's planning it. And you had no idea what was going on. <laughs> what did you think when they put us both together in the play as Boaz and Ruth? I don't know. I guess I wasn't really thinking. I mean, clearly we had the best love story going on, <laughs> dating. I mean, it was my best friend and she gets excited. Yeah, she easily. was She was the director so, and she wrote um, it. She got I knew it was just making her heart really happy to yeah. cast her best friend and and you, you know, in this play. So I I really didn't think very much of it except that it was just making everybody around me so happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and me so stressed. <laughs> <laughs> that was a stressful week for you. Uh so the week before I asked your dad, 
I called and I said, Hey, when you come into town next, can I talk to you? And of course he, he knew what I was going to talk to him about, I believe. And he called some people and got some really good advice. And so a week before the play, I'm over at your dad's house. I'm pulling up and I'm talking to my mom on the phone and I'm saying, Hey mom, I'm, I'm here right now. Pray for me. I'm about to ask Lane. And then I'm like, "Uh Oh mom. And she's like, what? I'm like, I'm in the driveway and I just pulled across the house and I saw him and his sons over there on the other side of the house and they all have chainsaws and they're cutting down trees. And she's like, don't ask him right now. Don't ask him right now. So, but I did and we did. And after that play the next week, I asked you to marry me mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to have the video, the YouTube link on the show page. So go to the show page, <laughs> uh, on our website, forgivenfelons.org background check. And, um, and you can see the video of, of me proposing to Jessamy. And, but the, when I proposed, of course, I screwed it all up. I got down on a knee and I, I put the ring on your finger before I even asked you, which I think <laughs> you're supposed to ask first. And then you say yes, then you put the ring on. Yes. But I was so nervous. But everybody was yelling and screaming. <laughs> and I needed them to be quiet because I needed you to hear what I, what I was going to say. Because out of my mouth, you didn't know I had to already talked to your dad. And you didn't know there was a bunch of people praying, praying for him uh, as I asked him for permission. But all the, everybody was screaming, and I just kind of looked at the crowd, and I kind of told them to be quiet because I wanted you to hear with full permission from your father, mm-hmm. will you be my wife? And um, what, what did that mean to you whenever I oh, said that? Oh, it meant everything because I, I couldn't, first of all, I couldn't believe that you were proposing me in front of, a thousand people like like I said it was a very stressful week and so this was like the culmination of all of my stress it was finally over and then you call me on stage because you want to tell me something I don't know and I still didn't know what you were going to do and then it became very clear to me and I was like I can't believe you're doing this because you know I, I don't think my dad is on board yet I don't and then you assured me that he was and um, I just started crying because, yeah. again, the stress and everything. <laughs> it was a stressful week. I was mad at your best friend all week because, mm-hmm. because of you know, there's the lines weren't ready, and I was mad, and and I know it was hard for you to see your best friend and and the person you love, mm-hmm. um, stressing out over each other. But it was so weird because we got engaged, and then literally, the next morning, you flew out of town for a week with Christy. Yep. And so I didn't even get to enjoy any kind nope. of after after party engagement party. I think we went to IHOP that night at eight, right? Didn't we go to IHOP yes, that we night? Went somewhere. I think it was IHOP, and we had some was, rooty yeah. tooty, fresh and fruity. <laughs> and uh, and then the next morning they were gone. Her and Christy were gone, and I had to sit here and just and just for a week without you. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so what you know? Okay, and we've had our ups and downs in our marriage, and we've had our good times, bad times, uh, and, and, and we're, we're thriving right now and God's blessing us and we're able to bless others. And we weren't always in that position. Mm -mm. Um, you know, but I get out of prison with a 550 credit score. And now I think I have an 823 credit score. We bought a house together. We just, we have two beautiful kids. We've been getting to know Chase, my son, who's 21 in Oklahoma. What would you tell somebody who might be in the position of dating someone who's been incarcerated, what would you, especially like if their, if their friends or, or even parents didn't approve, what would you say to them? 
what kind of advice would you give to them? What kind of encouragement? What kind of, you know, what would you say to them? Well, I just had peace about it to begin with. I mean, I had peace about giving myself to you. You know, like you said, that God had told you that he had set someone aside just for you. I had done that as a teenager. I had set myself aside and I had made that vow to God. Um, And so that's why no one in my life had really ever tempted me as far as like even dating someone. It just just wasn't a, a deep desire of mine. I knew that someone would come into my life at the right time. And I knew that I would know that that's who I was supposed to be with. So when you did, that's what I felt. I felt like I was supposed to be with you. And God had given me that peace that um, you were the right person for me. So so when the challenges came and it looked like like it, you know, I mean, I mean, it was we were we were not together for a little while. Yeah. You know, so what was going through your mind then? As well, far as- and that, yes, there was that. And then just, yeah, there were there were lots of challenges, but. I just so if someone's dating somebody who's been incarcerated and they're wondering, you know, if they're doing the right thing, what would you say to them? Well, I would have to ask them if they had peace about it, first of all, because, you know, I can't I can't judge someone's relationship with the Lord or even their level of peace with the Lord. I can see what their what their life is producing and I can and I can see it that way. But I don't know. I guess this is a. How, how, um, yeah. So how, I feel like you and I are special. (laughs) We are, we are special. I feel like we are. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that somebody search someone out that has been out of prison for one day and decide that's who I'm going to date. That's, that's not necessarily my recommendation, even though that's what I did. Yeah. But it's funny because I've found at times where I've been talking to single women that are friends of ours and, um, and they're wondering if they're ever going to find mm-hmm. somebody. And, and mm-hmm. I sometimes joke around with them. Mm-hmm. God's got the perfect man for you. How do you know? I, I just know he does, but he's not out of prison yet. <laughs> not out of prison yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, all I know is that, if I had to do it all over again and they told me that I couldn't have you unless I went to prison, I would go to prison 10 times Oh, baby! for you. Thank you. I love you so much. <laughs> and I love celebrating your birthday and Valentine's day every year on the same week, two days or whatever. And so, um, so happy birthday tomorrow and happy Valentine's day on Sunday. Thank you. And I love you. And I can't wait for you to wake up on tomorrow morning on your birthday and get your gift. Oh, I love you. You got me a gift. Yes. (laughs) So I can't wait for you to see it tomorrow. Um, Probably, probably let you open it whenever we bring the donuts home. We do donuts on birthdays uh, here. So we go early in the morning and get donuts and bring them to whoever, whoever's birthday it is. So I can't wait to do that with you tomorrow. So thank you for being my Valentine. Thank you for being my wife and the mother of my kids. And I just couldn't, I couldn't dream of a better life than what I have now with you. And I love you very much. I love you too. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. And we'll see you guys next week when we tell another love story. See you next week. Okay. I don't know if you could write a better fictional love story than ours. (laughs) 
I mean, one is in prison for three years and the other is a missionary in Thailand for three years. Yet we both committed crimes. <laughs> but one stayed steadfast with God. The other ran all the way to prison, you know, from God. One broke the law to smuggle money in for God's word to be spread. The other broke the law because I was a selfish brat. <laughs> so, you know, man, Valentine's uh, time of the year is always crazy because, you know, uh, the single people feel left out, even though um, they have every opportunity to acknowledge the love relationship between them and their father in heaven. Uh, but I know it's I know it's not enough, and I don't know what to tell my single friends. Usually, whenever they ask if there's somebody for them, you know, all I know is that at some point when I was in prison. I was so happy with who I was as a single person that I was ready to commit my life to God as a single person. And I don't know if that's just, and, and because I, I believe I was at that point, I believe God said, no, I have someone for you. And I don't know if we just all have to get to that point. You know how like when you stop looking for something, you find it. Uh, in my wild days, whenever I was trying to quit smoking, that's when everybody would just hand me a free pack of cigarettes. Um, you know, when you're trying to uh, eat better, that's when all the, the birthdays happen and all the cake and ice cream come. You know, so I don't know if just when you stop looking for something that that's when it happens or that's when it appears. I don't know. But I just want, I want everybody to know whether you're, you are a couple dating, married, or single waiting for that one. I just know the most important love relationship is between you and your heavenly father. And as long as you make that number one in your life, man, there's, there's no other relationship that that's even going to compare, you know? So it's okay to be single. It's okay to be married. Paul even said, you know, I wish you were all like me single because he knew how much he, he could accomplish as a single person. But then he said, it's okay to, it's okay to get married too, because you know, married people can accomplish things for the kingdom of God as well. But I do want to say, you know, I, I do want to talk about my father-in-law lane, you know, um, I appreciate what he did in the beginning, which was do whatever he could to protect his daughter. And it wasn't like he didn't know me. It wasn't like Give me some time to get to know you, and then I'll make a decision. He knew me. We all grew up in the same church. He knew that I was a rascal. He knew I was in and out of jail. He, he knew. And I, I'm pretty sure it caught him off guard when I came to him just to ask permission to date. It caught him off guard because, you know, um, I just got out of prison. Didn't have a car. Couldn't even drive, even if I did have a car. I think I did have a car. My mom and dad were giving me one. But I had my license, but I wasn't able to drive because parole. Um, you know, it made it hard to get a job because I wasn't near public transportation. I didn't have a job, a steady job, for till almost a year and a half being out of prison. Right after I got engaged, I think, is when we started, I started the job. But Lane, Lane had standards. For his daughters. He had two daughters and he had standards. And the person that I was did not fit that standard, did not live up to that standard. 
So I appreciate what he did at the beginning. And even throughout, you know, maybe when he thought we were moving a little too fast. I appreciate that. Did Whether I agreed with it or not didn't make a difference. He was doing what he knew to do as a father to protect his daughter. And I appreciate that. You know, and I thank him and all the family for allowing me to be Jessamy's Valentine and for uh, allowing us to to just live the rest of our life together, loving each other and being our permanent Valentine to each other. Now I have two Valentine daughters and we love them. And so um, not to the person who has, maybe you're in my position where you've got a past. I want you to know no matter where you've been and what you've done, God still has the best for you. And if you've truly changed, then you will be the best for someone else. I knew I had to get my life right for, for me, but God knew I had to get my life right for Jessamy and for my future kids. You know, to be fully known and fully loved is our greatest desire. desire. And I took a chance that day when I told her everything I'd ever done. I could see in her face, she was just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe you've done all this. But even after she fully knew me, she chose to fully love me. And just me, I love you for that, for accepting me, for seeing my past, not as baggage, but as leverage to advance the kingdom of God through testimony. And, and I thank you for being a missionary while I was in prison. And I thank you for being the greatest Valentine ever. I can't wait to be old and Valentine with you. So I love you. Happy birthday tomorrow. Happy Valentine's Day on Sunday. And I also want to say to my, my first Valentine ever, which was my mom. Mom, I love you. Happy Valentine's Day. And um, let, me, let me just pray over, over everybody. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for, I thank you for your love for your children because greater love had no man than to give his life. And God, you gave your son his life for us. So thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for showing the, the ultimate love, the unconditional love, the agape love to your children. Father, I lift up all the relationships that are listening. I pray that they lean into you make the sacrifices that they need to make for your relationship with them and for their relationship with each other. Father, I lift up all the single people. I pray you give them the contentment they need for the season of life that they're in. And let them be patient and let them just serve you. Father, I love you. We give you praise and glory. Lord, we, we just pray over everyone listening right now that they would be able to feel your love through this podcast. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, next week, we got Polo and Monica. You're going to love their story. We'll see you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit forgivenfelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.